Hey guys, this is Tyler. Before I start this episode, I have a message for my accredited investors. Are you guys tired of the same old boring syndications? Have you ever wished you could invest in a virtually recession-proof market? Well, here's your chance to join me as I literally buy Key West, Florida. That's right, Key West, Florida. How do you get involved? You go to keywestcashflow.com forward slash call and book a call with me today. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. That's right, boys and girls. It's that time again. We're back for another week. And this time I got a surprise for y'all. I'm bringing on a guest. Yes, that's actually true. I'm actually bringing somebody else. We're going to talk about the stuff that drove realtors in Tampa Bay, Florida. Absolutely crazy. Tyler, what the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about the most talked about listing in Tampa Bay, probably in history. And no, it wasn't owned by a celebrity. Rockstar, maybe. I've got with me my seller, buddy of mine, and now partner in our investment fund in Key West, Florida. Mike Marino, are you on with me, Mike? Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Thanks for joining me. And today, guys, I brought Mike on. I want you to hear the seller's perspective. We did a video about this on YouTube and a couple other uh, channels and whatnot. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to bring somebody else onto the show. It's been a long time since I've had a guest. I want to talk about, last week, I talked about having the benefit of using an appraisal. And it's actually Mike's house, what turned out to be a great example of that. So, Mike, you bought the house February 2015, correct? 2015 for 137000 137000 And for, for those of you that like the per square met foot method, that works out to $139 a square foot, right? So <laughs> this guy's is a two bedroom, one bath, nice little house uh, in St. Pete, Florida, great neighborhood, big oak tree out front, whatnot. Mike came to me. I, he's been one of my uh, coaching students, listen to podcasts for years. Mike and I used to work together at NOAA many, many moons ago. Uh, he went off and became an airline pilot. I went off and became a dirtbag realtor. And here we are, right? So Mike came to me. He's heard the good news, right? He's heard that if you want to get stupid money for your house, then you need to pick up the damn phone and call me and uh, we'll make it happen. So fast forward six years later, Mike, what'd you sell your house for? Now we can say it because it just closed last week. Uh, yeah. 370. Uh, 370,000. I believe that's a new record for, I don't even know what the price per square foot is on that. I didn't bother to factor, factor it in, but it, let's just say it's a lot. It's a ton. So guys, what does that mean? That means that Mike profited from the time he bought his house to the time he sold his house. His net profit on that deal was $233,000. $233,000, that equates to $38,833 per year in profit. That's a 28%, what was it? 28% we figured, Mike, annual appreciation? That's right, 28% annual. That's right. Now guys, that's crazy. I mean, that's freaking crazy. I had to shake my head. Just, I couldn't believe it myself, but I thought we'd bring the story to you because I think you guys are going to find value. And if you're flipping houses, if you're a landlord, it doesn't matter. Hell, you're going to buy your own house. I want to tell the story of how this happened so that we can, so that you can take this information, uh, use it as a check, take it to the bank and cash it. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and get cracking now. First thing I've done, guys, and I said it last week, and I want to say it a little bit again, is I'm a big believer in bringing in people that are smarter than me. And what does that mean? Well, for starters, appraisers. Recently, I was thinking about, Jill and I were talking about her getting her appraiser's license. And then we looked at what it's required. 
And as we talked about last week, it's like, I don't know, $2,500 of appraisal experience. You have 200 hours of classroom training and a bachelor's degree and all this crap to be able to appraise houses. And what I find comical about that is appraisals cost 450 bucks, probably less in some markets, but that's it. So you go to all that schooling and the most you can ever make on an appraisal is probably a couple $400. It's like, good God. So what does that mean to us? Why am I even mentioning it? Well, I'm mentioning it because it's a very cheap tool that can prove to be extremely powerful. And here, Mike, as you can say, as you know, that helped us twice because this trend, or actually three times, because this deal involved three appraisals. That's right. So you had a tough call to make at one point. I, I want to back up a little bit and explain. So we get, I said to Mike, I said, hey, look, my deal is, is that if you get an appraisal uh, on your house, I will reimburse you at closing for the cost of the appraisal. Why do I do that, guys? Well, number one, it makes my job easier. And let's be honest, I, I also have lazy realtor tendencies like everybody else in the world. It's nice when a licensed somebody that's done 2,500 hours and focused on appraisal only goes out and determines what the value of the price of the house is. And frankly, Mike, I knew that you weren't going to argue with the appraisal. <laughs> if you would have, you know, if I would come back and said it's worth this, then you might want more money and we may have to have that conversation and go back and forth and whatnot. But when I bring a, a third party in that's an expert in just that, just valuation, they're not a marketing expert, they're not a negotiating expert, their job, their expertise is in figuring out the value of that property. Okay, guys, why is that important? Well, number one, if it doesn't appraise, in other words, if we get it under contract and the appraisal price comes in lower than what the financing is, that's a problem. You know, we're not going to do very well and we're going to probably have to adjust our sales price or start over again, right? We don't want that. So Mike, when the appraisal first came in, what was it? Uh, 320, right? Is what it keep crazy. 320. And Tyler, I'm glad you recommended the appraisal because in today's crazy market, I had no clue what it would go for. I had no clue the value of it because as you know, if you get reappraised and a month later, the value is different. Right. Absolutely. So guys, People talk about Zillow this and Zillow that and Zillow's the devil and it's going to, Zillow's ruining my business. The only thing ruining your business is you, first of all. It's not Zillow. Here's a good example. Zillow on this little bad boy, the Zestimate came in at 367, 348. Okay. 367, 348. We sold this bad boy for 370. So I would call Zillow pretty dang accurate today. But when this thing, when we were first listing it, I think, Mike, the Zillow was a lot less, wasn't it? It was significantly less, as a matter of fact. I think you had originally, think, what was your original idea of what you wanted for the house before we just got into the marketing of it? Yeah. So initially, when I was considering selling it, the Zillow estimate was around $250,000. Okay. So, you know, going off the Zillow, I'm like, well, I guess that's what I'm going to get. But then you recommend an, an, a professional an appraisal. Right. That came in at 320 initially, right? Back in April. So, what's interesting, guys, you just heard it right from the seller's mouth. People go to Zillow. It's how I go to Zillow because it's a data point, right? It, I don't need it to be expert accurate every time. It's a data point. If I go to Trulia, I get a different data point. If I go to realtor.com, I get a different data point. If I go to the property appraiser's office, I get a different data point. It's no one source is ever 100% accurate, but it's a good idea to leverage the data points that you have in front of you. And here's a good example. That thing said 250. So 
if the appraisal comes in, which in this case it did for 320, well, it would not doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you should probably ignore that data point, Zillow, and go with the higher one that is more legitimacy, which it would be the appraisal done by a licensed appraiser. Um, and that's what we did. So Mike, we listed it. You agreed you wanted to sell it at 320 based on the appraisal. Uh, we listed it at 319 so that we could market it uh, below appraised value. And yes, that's a dirty trick that I do because I'm a salesman, guys. I sell. It's what I do. I'm not a real estate consultant. I'm a freaking salesman, right? My job is to club that buyer like a baby seal in the submission and drag them over the finish line to the closing. That's what I do. I'm a listing agent, right? I close business. I'm not fiddle farting around hanging out at the country club. Uh, so we listed it at 320. And that day, Mike, we listed, I think it was Saturday morning. This was Friday. We listed it Saturday morning. <laughs> Go ahead. You can tell that part of the story. When I, when I called you like, Hey dude, you got to talk. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as we listed within a few hours, my neighbors called me up complaining that there's a line of cars in the street. People are all over the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so they were complaining because of the traffic on this usually quiet neighborhood. Exactly. So what does that mean, guys? That means I turn on the marketing machine. What specifically does that mean? Facebook ads, YouTube ads, Google ads. We blast this thing all over Instagram, everywhere. This We made the house. Now, real, by the way, Border Realtors, actually not Border Realtors, the uh, National Association of Realtors changed the regulations a little while back that said that as a as a real estate agent, I'm not allowed to market a property that's not yet in the MLS until 24 hours before it goes live. Now, I understand why they did it. They did that. They put that into play um, so that everybody gets a fair shot and it's all rainbows and puppy dogs and all the agents, that they all get a fair chance to sell the property. When they make this type of rule, what they don't allow for is they don't factor in agents like me that I purposely do not represent both sides of the party of the transaction. I represent one side, usually the seller. And I do that for a reason because I don't think I can represent both sides of the transaction fairly. I'm not good in the middle. I'm much better being one-sided. So I represent the seller. <clears throat> and in this case, we couldn't market it until basically it was Friday morning is when I could start the marketing or Thursday, Thursday evening, I could start the marketing because we were going live on Friday. So I turn on the marketing machine and my my plan is I blitzkrieg it. Uh, on day one, I spend $1,000 on marketing. I mean, I pay Facebook and Instagram. That's my day one advertising budget, 1000 bucks. I do that because it just blasts it everywhere. That listing becomes omnipresent. So guys, if you're flipping a house and nobody knows about it, that's a problem. And I want to get the buyer that's willing, the most qualified buyer, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but... I want to get the buyer that's most likely going to close. That's what's important to me. Price is important, but the ability to close is also important. So in this case, it hit everybody. Everybody in the market found out about this listing. And I put some language in the in the listing agreement or in the uh, realtor comments that a few agents got a little butthurt about. And basically it said that, you know, you have to bring a qualified buyer and you have to prove it. And they're like, that's not fair. <laughs> I should be able to bring buyers that can't close. That's not my fault. Ooh. So we made it a little challenging for the buyer's agents because they actually had to do their job. Now the good agents, they're all about it. They're like, hell yeah, they prefer that. So long story short, that morning, Saturday morning, I get a phone call. Well, I get an instant message on my Facebook. 
buddy of mine. Uh, and he says, Hey dude, I sold the, I just got the property across the street that I own under contract last week. And I sold it for 365. It's right across the street from your listing. And I have the appraisal that came in at 375. I'm like, what? Well, that means, I mean, if we're listed at 320 and this house is across the street and it's pretty much the similar, similar size house, a couple hundred square foot difference. That's a big difference. So Mike, I called you, right? And of course, I, stupid question that I ask you, hey, Mike, would you like more money for your house? Yes, please. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, please. So I disclosed to Mike that yes, that when we raise the price like this, it's going to cause some pushback. Who's going to push back? Agents are going to have a fit. Why? Because probably already showing the property and the fact that they are, and I got to now raise the price, I'm going to take a beating, but I don't care if I take a beating because I'm being paid well by my seller. My job is to make sure that I get top dollar for the listing, which I clearly accomplished that. Now, I told you guys before, I am not a discount broker. I'm not the cheapest realtor in town. In fact, commission percentage I charge is the highest in my market. But I believe it is. Mike, have you heard anybody charges more than me? I want to make sure I don't leave any money on the table. I haven't, but I just made an extra $50,000 off it. So I don't mind. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. And that was just in that little thing. So what do we do, guys? We I went ahead and raised the price. I raised the, the price with the seller's permission. We raised the price up to 365 from 320. And lo and behold, we don't go under contract wide, right away. And that's because we want to make sure we get every, we got to let the marketing do its job. Now, guys, a lot of agents don't market, they don't spend any money to market properties. They're lazy. They're complacent. They just stick at the MLS and hope that it sells. And they've in this market, it will sell. Mike, I told you I could have an offer in 15 minutes. But do you recall our conversation about why it was important to wait and let it let the offers come in? Absolutely. And I'll be honest, a lot of my friends are like, why aren't you, why don't you grab the first offer? My father was calling me up. Grab the first one you can get. And Tyler's like, no, no, wait a few days. And your reasoning was interesting because even though the first office might look like a high price, can that person actually close? And if they can't close, they're wasting my time. I got to continue paying the bills and the mortgage on this house and then remarket to another buyer. So the important thing is we weren't looking at the highest price. We're looking at the highest right. qualified buyer. Exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately, that upsets some folks in the marketplace, but those are usually the people that aren't working with qualified buyers. So I'm okay with upsetting them. It, you know, it is what it is. So in this case, we raised the price and yes, we got some, I got pushback and that's, you know, whatever it is, what it is. But at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure my seller got top dollar. That's the most important. So we raised the price to 365. We negotiated uh, several different, we looked at several different offers and guys, the way I structure this, and I, I like to, talk to my sellers in advance and come up with a strategy that they are okay with. I don't make decisions on their behalf. I sit down and talk to them and I run by all the different scenarios. I educate them on the strategy I think would make sense and why it makes sense. And I think I covered that pretty well with you, Mike. And you agreed that probably the best strategy would not be to hold out for highest and best. Instead, let all the offers come in. And instead of doing a call for highest and best, when the offers come in, make sure that the buyers are well qualified to buy. We'll talk about that here in a second. But then also to make sure that the the offers will close, right? The buyer qualified, but make sure the lender's legit. They're going to close in the whole nine yards. So that's what we did. And what we do is we pick the most qualified buyer 
and we opted to negotiate that one contract. Uh, well, actually, we, I think we picked two two of the offers. Uh, we decided to go back and forth with. What I don't want to do, guys, is I don't want to play games with the seller's equity. Uh, that's dangerous. And unfortunately, when agents do highest and best, a lot of buyers drop out. And that's why I don't do the highest and best anymore. Because what happens is some buyers just get discouraged, or the agents get discouraged. They go, "Well, then forget it. I'm out." I also have this. The seller instructs me not to share with anybody the whether or not there are currently offers being negotiated. Number one, it doesn't matter. It's not anybody's business. And Mike, we didn't want to disadvantage you because what happens when with some buyers when they think there's other offers on the table? Oh, exactly. But some buyers may be skittish and and run away because they don't want to be in a in a competition. Absolutely. Over who pays the most. Absolutely. So it's, I don't want to say no because that would be dishonest. I just simply refuse to answer because my sellers not authorized me to share that information, and I have it in writing. Uh, I put that into the listing agreement so that we're covered, right? We do that because we don't want to disadvantage the seller. And frankly, those of you that are realtors and you work with buyers, if you're wasting your time asking those questions, you're wasting your time. And more importantly, you're wasting your buyer's time. Instead, write an offer. Prove that your, your buyer's qualified to buy, right? So but if you're a realtor and you're out there working with somebody and you haven't got a rock solid pre-approval with a lender that you know, like, and trust, you're wasting your time. Only work with buyers that are qualified. I very rarely work with buyers, but when I do work with buyers, they have to get qualified before they show them anything. And uh, they have to be pre-approved with a lender I trust, not just some fly-by-night lender that's going to throw a piece of paper. So Mike, offers come in. We've got three offers basically at the end to look at that were in the ballpark. We knew where we wanted to be price-wise. And before you started negotiating, you picked one essentially to wind up negotiating finally. But let's talk about what the lender did. Uh, Now, I use Brian Heckman, Heckman Mortgage Group. And granted, I'm a listing agent, so I normally don't need a lender. Do I? Well, I do. I absolutely do. So you guys are selling flips. You need to have a lender in your pocket that, uh, and when I say in your pocket, in your Rolodex, that is there to help you, that will help you with both getting your buyers qualified, getting them approved, getting through the transaction. And I'm not saying that you need to strong arm the buyers into using that lender, but you know, a buyer with a brain would use that lender. That would make sense because in this case, he pretty much helped you make your decision, didn't he? It was pretty incredible. I'd never sold a property where I got, Brian sent me videos about each buyer. Right. Hey, Mike, this buyer has this credit uh, credit score, this much in the bank. This is his history. This is what I think. I think he's. I think he could be a, a very reliable buyer. And I got the three videos from each one, which was unheard of. Now I'm educated in determining which buyer is the best buyer from my property rather than the highest and best. Exactly. So guys, you can see now the benefit of bringing in now, and I'm going to talk about something else. And one reason I think a lot of agents don't do this and it's unfortunate, but uh, they're proud. Agents don't want to admit that they don't know something or, or that they have to rely on somebody else to come up with, an, with, with pricing. At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you're a house flipper or an investor or a seller or a buyer, you're not, unless you're a licensed appraiser, you shouldn't be an expert in valuations of property because it's not what you do for a living. So there's nothing wrong with bringing in an appraiser, it's not going to make you look incompetent. In fact, it will make you look a hell of a lot smarter. And this case is exactly what happened here. For those of you that are using price per square foot, the appraisals in this deal, the first appraisal, the second appraisal, and then we wound up, they used the loan to buy the property and they got an appraiser and it, it appraised at 370. It met the appraisal price. I don't know exactly what it appraised that I didn't ask, but I'll ask here in a couple of days when the dust settles, but I know it appraised for the offer price. I know that for a fact. Uh, I talked to the appraiser myself and, uh, 
I made sure that we built a relationship so that she could see where I was thinking. And frankly, I'll be honest with you guys. And Mike, I told you this is that Fraser asked flat out, why the price go from 320 to 365? And I, well, you know what I said? I screwed up, which is the fact. I screwed up. I got an appraisal. That appraisal came in at 320. Then I find out the guy across the street. See, I'm not going to sit there and blow smoke up someone's skirt. I'm not going to lie. I'm just honest with the appraiser. I said, bottom line is I I got an appraisal. I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to. Then the house across the street, the dude sold it for a lot more, 375. And then he gave me a copy of the appraisal. Would you like to see it? ma'am. And she's like, yes, I would. So she looked at the other, the other appraisal and she agreed with it. And I said, now I'd like you to go and look at that house because it's, they haven't moved in yet. Peek in the windows. You can see that my house, our house, this listing is more, far superior condition and quality than the one that appraised for 365 or 375. And lo and behold, she agreed with me. I didn't have to fight with her. I didn't have to arm wrestle her or threaten or do anything like that. I didn't have to blow any smoke. I simply told the truth. I made a mistake. And I, I mean, I didn't think I was making a mistake because I had an appraisal come in, but I didn't realize that the house across the street had sold and I didn't run public records because it wouldn't have shown up anyway, because it was off the market, but I was able to. So I really, I guess I Maybe I didn't make a mistake per se. It's a wrong choice of words. But the bottom line is, is that I immediately got on the phone with my seller and said, Hey, we're going to take a, a, a beating on this one, but I think I can get you another 50, 60 grand for your house if you want it. And he's like, yeah. So we were able to pull it off. And guys, those of you go by price per square foot. When he bought this thing, he paid $139 a square foot six years ago. We just sold it at $376 a square foot. That's what waterfront houses sell for guys on the ocean. And he got that inland in St. Pete in a little 984 square foot house. Granted, nice house, but still, that's just crazy. So with that, guys, you know, at the end of the day, Mike, what's your takeaway from the process? Wow. I never thought that as a seller, I can educate myself. You know, we talked about getting an appraiser before we even list it. I'm educating myself. Okay, what's the real value of it? Not the Zestimate, because like I mentioned to you before, the Zestimate was at $250. I would have left $120,000 on the table if I just looked at that. And then of course, now that we bring the lending agency in, Brian, like I mentioned with the videos, telling me this is a qualified buyer, this guy, not so much. Now you can make an educated decision on the seller side, which most, Tyler, you probably agree. Most sellers, they just kind of like sit on the couch and wait for the phone call from you about, okay, this is the best, Right. done. And unfortunately, what's happening in this market, guys, and I know we're seeing record prices in the whole nine yards, but a lot of money is being left on the table. If you guys are house flippers and you're getting ready to put something on the market, you need to make sure you have pay the, pay the couple hundred dollars to have an appraisal done. Don't leave that money on the table. It's your equity. You deserve it. Unless you're, you know, maybe you're, then you just like giving everything to everybody. That's cool. I mean, send some money to Uncle Tyler. I'm sure Michael takes some money. He'll take free money. So you can send money to Mike too. But at the end of the day, guys, it comes down to don't be afraid to leverage the expertise around you. And it's not all wrapped into one person. I am not the all being know-it-all real estate broker here. I just have good people. I mean, we, I have a, a, a transaction coordinator that handles the paperwork. Why? Well, because I suck at it. That's why I'm not good at it. I'm not a details guy. I'm more of like an ape that slings poo in a cage. But what I do do is I surround myself with people that are smarter than me. I learned that from people like Robert Kiyosaki, right? When we're doing this fund, Mike, and I'll wrap up with the, the fund. One of the reasons that it was important for me to to have Mike in this mix is one, I've been working with him, helping him grow as an investor over the last couple of years or so. But Mike's a, Mike's a completely different person than I am, different personality. He's very detail-oriented. He's regimented. He's a go-getter. He doesn't screw around waiting for stuff to come to him. He goes after it. And the reason why he's crushed it in our coaching program, I mean, it's just, you're, you're killing it, dude. You don't even 
take a minute to pause. You're like, you just go, you do. I mean, and that's the key is you get out there and you do. And when you get out there and you take action, I've been talking to you guys for 200 and some odd episodes, which is almost five years makes me. And over those years, I've given you guys a lot of nuggets, a lot of information. And the key is it's all useless unless you apply it. You got to get out there and do it. And now that you've seen it live, I mean, you've seen what we do. You've seen a perfect example of it. Now I implore you to go out and do it. Guys, there's opportunity everywhere out there. Mike's house is a perfect example. You know, maybe you find a house, you can buy it off the MLS right now. It's probably underpriced and stick it back on the MLS and resell the damn thing and make a profit. Mike, that could have happened here. You know, hell, maybe I should have bought your house and I would have made that extra. <laughs> that extra equity. But at the end of the day, there's opportunity everywhere. And this in, in to some degree is one of the things that we're going to be focusing on down here in our funding Key West. And I just want to leave you guys with that. I know you heard me with the bumpers and the commercials and I'm real good at discovering opportunity. Mike is that second set of eyes. I rely on Mike to be the devil's advocate with these things. So I'm going out, stirring it up, seeing what we can find, finding inconsistencies in the market, finding opportunity. And then I put them together and then Mike and I sit down and, and put our heads together and, and figure out what makes sense. But to be able to do that, to make big profits, you got to take big actions, right? You can't screw around. There was a time I used to spend time looking at $50,000 houses. I don't do that anymore. You know, people that make the big money are the ones that jump on the big deals. Now we're talking about million dollar houses. Let me tell you something, a million dollar house that appreciates it, say 15% per year, which is pretty much conservative. That's $150,000 a year, guys. So imagine what happens when you buy a million dollar house, you let somebody else pay the expenses as in a tenant or a vacation tenant uh, for a period of time. And then you turn around and sell the house down the road in five years. And you might be thinking, market crash, market's going to crash, sky is falling, we're all going to die. Well, you got to look at the individual market because if you spend any time learning about real estate and real estate investing, the one thing is, is that there's no, no, there's no always. Things are different across the country. What happens in LA doesn't necessarily happen in Buffalo and, and may or may not happen in Chicago, but possibly could happen in Tampa and maybe not in Key West, right? Every market has its own, its own things that go on. Markets shift differently. But the one thing that's interesting about this market, the Key West market, is the fact that although things don't skyrocket, like in Tampa, for example, the, the property values look like a hockey stick. They start you know, low and then they go way up and then they crash and fall way down and then they go way up again. In Key West, that's not the case. Key West is slow and steady wins the race. Depending on the area, between 10 and 15% uh, property appreciation just by doing absolutely nothing. So what are we going to do? We're going to get some of our good friends together, accredited investors. We're going to pool our resources and we're going to put together investment opportunities that make sense. Anything you want to add to that, Mike? Yeah. What's... What excites me about the fund, the syndication fund, is it is not just a fund of like-minded investors pulling their money, but it's a fund of experience. Now, if you want yeah. to utilize Tyler's experience, our contractor, our attorney, our CPA, we have a huge team. And that's really the benefits of the fund is to utilize an experienced team yes. that we've already vetted. Tyler's been using what, Kevin Overstreet for I don't know how many years. Yeah, a decade. Yeah. So yeah, by pulling our money together, so now we can overcome the entry price in the Key West, which is, scares a lot of people. But if we can overcome that with the strongest team that's now attached to the fund, pretty exciting. It is. And do, we're doing things outside of the box. We're doing things differently. What does that mean? Well, we're marketing, we're direct marketing to sellers for properties. We're using expert level copywriting, video production, video marketing, I just dropped $10,000 on a video marketing campaign 
uh, for YouTube ads to attract motivated sellers. We're stepping up to the plate and we're getting out there. And I'm that, that's why I'm one of the reasons I moved to Key West is I'm literally on the ground. I go sit in code enforcement meetings. I, I go to the planning board. I'm shaking hands with all the important people that need to be uh, shook hands with in the city of Key West. I'm understanding everybody at the police department, code enforcement, the water department, the electric department, the gas department, how the city thinks and ticks and how it makes money. Guys, that's the stuff that I've been talking to you guys about for years, and we're here doing it. So if you're an accredited investor, okay, an accredited investor in this first round, we got to take accredited investors only. No disrespect to those that are not accredited, uh, but right now we have to focus on accredited investors. If you are an accredited investor and you want to couple the opportunity to learn the process as it happens, I know there's lots of you that want to be completely hands-off, and for you, that's cool, and simply you don't have to come to our webinars or any of our training or anything like that. But for those that want to learn, Here's an opportunity to put your money to work, but also learn the process. Heck, some of you may decide you want to do your own syndicate at some point, and you may join us on the front end of this thing, invest with us for a couple of years, five years, whatever it may be, 10 years, and then decide you want to do this on your own. And that's okay. We expect people to want to grow and take that on. And we're here to teach. We're here to train. We're here to help. And you guys will get the experience of watching our individual team members. I'm bringing on Sean Yesner, a real estate attorney from Tampa. He's going to... Uh, leverage relationships here on the island with attorneys on the island. Kevin Overstreet and his team over at Insured Title, they're going to be helping me discover opportunity by finding title issues, finding things that other people don't see, finding these problems, knowing that if with enough time or money that Kevin's team can fix these issues for us so we can f discover opportunity where we're the only game in town willing to buy it. At the same thing, hiring the at the same time, hiring the best contractors. Do they cost more? Yeah. But here's the thing. They get the job done. They actually finish the job and I don't have to pay to have the same job done twice. That makes sense. Uh, having Mike in the team, Mike's the, the equalizer. He's the guy that's taking the role as kind of the lead manager. I'm boots on the ground. Mike is the uh, overall uh, management role of this. Although we co-manage the fund, we have very specific strengths and we also identify each other's weaknesses. And I handle the things that I have an expertise in that Mike may not be as strong in and vice versa. There's lots of these elements of this fund and the transactions around it that are not Tyler's strong suit. And fortunately, Mike, I got you in the mix uh, to equalize that. So together, along with our team, we have a we have a whole just a kick-ass setup and I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Tyler, on that note, I spoke to the head of our marketing department here, and he's been doing hundreds, hundreds of social media, Facebook, general marketing for other real estate fund syndications. And he asked me, Mike, how much will you be charging people to come to your event down in Key West? He was shocked when I said zero. I said, no, we're not selling anything. We are educating we're educating. We're going to take people around town. You can pick Tyler's brain. Tyler's going to tell you why he sees opportunity. We're going to have our title team, accountant, CPA. You could talk to all of us. And it's not going to cost you any money to attend. What we're interested in is educating you. And after the education, if you feel like Key West is the opportunity for you, well, that's fantastic. We have an option for you. So we're very different from any other. We're not the typical guru. We're here to educate. Now, guys, full disclosure, we're not going to put on a Grant Cardone 10X seminar in Key West and shell out hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach people that are not accredited investors and who are not investing in our fund. So let's be, I want to be clear on that, that if you are an accredited investor and you are interested in investing in the fund or you're, you take part in the fund, and we're going to be opening the door through very soon in the next couple of weeks, and you want to really 
roll up your sleeves and figure out what this is all about, then join us. It will be doing the dates probably in August, Mike, and down here in Key West. I'll put put out a a special commercial and I'll send an email out. If you're on my mailing list, then do so. And also, if you want to get on the phone with Mike and I, uh, pick our brain and talk about what's going on here in Key West and what opportunities specifically we're seeing and things like that. You want to dive a little deeper. You could do that. You go to cashflow, uh, keywestcashflow.com forward slash call. And uh, that's a great way to get on our calendars and we'll do a Zoom session or, or a phone call or, or what have you to to uh, bring you up to speed on what's going on. Uh, anything else before we, we wrap, Mike, that you want to add? No, Tyler, thanks so much because Tyler's one of the few realtors I've met who is interested in educating. And like you heard on this interview here, he brought up a lot of things I never thought of. The seller paying for well, actually, Tyler paid for the appraisal and then also working with a mortgage company lender to further vet the buyers that make sure that I get to close on time. In fact, Tyler, we're closing early. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're, we're closing a week early because yeah, of this. Absolutely. Be- because the buyer was so qualified, he was motivated financially, he's prepared. So in the end, thank you, Tyler. You made me. <laughs> maybe a lot more money than I thought it could. My pleasure. And guys, that's the best thing, right? When you have a client that does that for you, that feels that way. And my fee doesn't really cost him anything because here's the deal, guys. Sellers are cash and checks. They're not writing them. So my fee, I'm not the cheapest agent around, right? I have three different plans. It's six, seven, or 8%, depending on how much you want for your house. The more you pay me, the more you make. That's how it works. Uh, Mike got top dollar because he compensated me top dollar. So I shut everything off and focused on Mike's product, getting his product out there, getting it sold. So it creates that win-win. Guys, here's the deal. The summary is if you want to really go out there and crush it in real estate, if you're going to be flipping houses or you're going to be doing buy and hold or whatever, hire professional marketers to get the word out there. If you're a landlord and you're looking for tenants, Quit running ads in Craigslist alongside all the rental scams. Hire a property manager that knows what the hell they're doing and that has a marketing team working for them. And if they don't, well, then that's a problem. Those of you that are investing in Key West, you'll be able to take advantage of that because we're going to turn full paid marketing to attract tenants. Why? I don't want the bottom of the barrel tenants. We want the best tenants, the ones that are going to pay the rent on time. They're going to stay a long, long time and create a win-win solution. And guys, you can get out there this year. 2021 is going to be a kick-ass year, but you got to get out of your own way. You got to get off the couch. You got to take action. You got to make it happen. And most importantly, you got to surround yourself with the people that matter. You got to take a step back, ask yourself, who is the best in the market? If you don't know who the best in the market is, go on Facebook and ask. Your community will provide you the best of the market. Put the best people to work for you. Guys, that's how you get top dollar. That's how you get long-term tenants. That's how you make it happen. And that's how you find the cash flow. Guys, I hope you have a great week. I want to see you back here next week. And if you have questions, you want to reach out. Make sure you go to the link we gave in the episode. And this concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.